Hello everyone, my name is Lee Nichols and I'm the Editor-in-Chief and Associate Publisher of Hydrocarbon Processing Magazine. And I want to welcome all of you to the latest installment of Hydrocarbon Processing's podcast series, The Main Column. Today we're looking at Case EPC 2020, Increasing Competitiveness and Profits. This was written by Maritz Van Wagenberg of IBAS Corporation. Before we get started, I have some big news. Gulf Energy Information, who is the publisher of hydrocarbon processing and gas processing and LNG magazines, has unveiled our latest publication, which is H2 Tech. So this quarterly publication is going to focus on the hydrogen sector and the latest advancements in hydrogen technologies. Now you can, of course, see some uh, additional information about H2 Tech. You can visit www.h2-tech.com. And then, of course, if you're interested in providing technical material for H2 Tech, please feel free to send us an email. You can do that by going to editors at h2-tech.com. And always, you can subscribe to the main column podcast by clicking on the subscribe button located on the podcast website. So Case EPC 2020, Increasing Competitiveness and Profits. Before the challenges of the COVID-19 pandemic, there were already issues within the energy market that exposed challenges in the engineering procurement and construction sector. Low-cost competition from EPC firms from Asia was already putting margins under stress. Apart from the alarmingly low quarterly results from many publicly traded EPC firms, several articles pointed at fundamental problems, one of them being productivity. The gap in global energy consumption and low oil prices has decimated investments. An anticipated stream of projects in LNG liquefaction and other areas has dried up. It has been argued that Western EPC firms need to create more value added in hydrocarbons to sustain their position. Regardless, owners assign projects based on cost, and success will be a result of value and productivity. In this hypothetical case, which we'll call EPC 2020, the market will be explored and, from the basis, guidelines can be drawn on how to make an EPC firm more competitive and increase in profits to a healthier 5% to 6% of sales. Now, the basis for EPC 2020 to cope with the current situation is to assess the market up to 2024. In the oil, gas, and chemicals and power markets, bids can only be satisfactory if they demonstrate substantially lower costs, with one exception. Power needs to innovate to combine hydrocarbon and non-hydrocarbon technologies, and government will support that in regions. If an EPC firm can deliver on innovation, then projects in sustainable energy will have a better profit margin. While investments in chemicals are solid, a contraction in other segments can lead to the need for low-cost bids. In the downstream oil, gas, chemicals, and power segment, productivity gains and, in some cases, innovations are needed. Another other segment, life science, chemical specialties, and manufacturing, focuses its engineering capacity to balance its capabilities. This segment may experience a very limited contraction. The investments in pharmaceuticals seem stable, especially in Europe. National policies are relevant. A trend in new products in e-commerce leads to facilities for manufacturing, e-commerce, and data warehousing. However, competition will be fierce since EPC firms with unused resources from oil, gas, chemicals, and power will switch to this segment. The probability for a bid to improve will be flexible. Some owners will ask EPC firms to execute the project with flexibility in time and scope while remaining efficient. Lead time as a project demand is hardly mentioned. As such, it is not listed as a key point for improvement. Circumstances may make lead time a competitive edge in the future. 
The main demand in both segments is to lower costs, which requires two generic steps. Number one, create purposeful offices, each with a single market focus and goal to create competition. And number two, untangle complex matrix organizations, limit corporate structure and size offices for full staffing. Then there are steps within each of the two primary market segments. These include productivity gains in engineering to improve 15% in 24 months by adjusting division of labor in IT, ensure cooperation in market segments that require solutions that fit national interests, map engineering processes to a project demand, and tune for cost, innovation, or flexibility, implement early warning and early correction alerts on a project level, lock in products that result from IT improvements, and then sell and monetize. If markets have common demands and are stable, a central core organization enhanced savings. The corporate savings are usually found in centralizing staff, for example, human resources, finance, quality, and sales. If markets become less predictable, the best course will be defined by those who are in close touch with those in demands. Technology-driven corporations have implemented a slim corporate structure, pushing decisions towards units that make products for specific markets. In addition, owners regroup to improve decision-making in market segments to create a better focus on a single segment. Similarly-sized corporations, those 5,000 to 20,000 employees, exist that rely on local decision-making while centralizing strategic functions. Therefore, detailed steps define operations that fit regional market demand. With decentralized resources and with regional focus, the size must be enough to include human resources, sales, standards, quality, and finance. An office with 1,000 employees can provide this. Another aspect is that offices that are comparable in size may still run a development portfolio and compete on performance and capabilities. Simultaneously, capital and strategy remain corporate tasks co-developed for each segment and region with the office leadership. The corporate function would then be limited to 1.25% of sales. Each organization has a simplified task, one region, one set of projects. Savings is a result of coordination among offices being removed. This adds 1% profit, in other words, 1% of sales. The first step for increasing productivity is to check the division of labor. This has been at the core of efforts to increase productivity. Reducing costs by incorporating new sets of tasks and tools is a productivity gain. The combinations of tasks are based on the lowest cost to execute, in other words, design, iterate, in other words, redo an essential part of design, and review. This distinction is a reminder that, apart from execute as a cost item, iteration and review are costs as well. Salary cost is a less flexible component, except for replacing person X with education A by a less salaried person Y with training B. The other cost component is IT tooling. New task structures should save 25% to 50% in certain areas, adding up to 15% to 20% in savings. This will add 1% to 2% to the profit margin. Another step is to map the engineering process for each project onto the specific demand of that project, such as cost of engineering, lead time, innovation, and quality. Often, choices to fine-tune toward the project demands are informally addressed. Leadership should implement a structured way to create behavior tuned to that demand. This can add 1% to profits. The next step is an early warning and early correction approach to avoid cost increases later in the project. Several reports show that 30% of new projects end in failure. 
The cost of these failures on average represent 2% of sales for EPC firms. These firms have implemented preemptive risk strategies to reduce these losses. Now, the author suggests using an early warning and early detection approach that centers on weekly assessments of non-financial factors, such as iterations that depict the quality of the functioning of the engineering processes. Each factor ensures performance that the project demands. This approach achieves a 50% reduction of failures, which adds up to 1% profit. The final step is to monetize new products that can be delivered by the EPC firm. With limited effort, the delivery of products, in other words, the computer numerical control code for fabrication of structural jobs, and parts can be added. In LNG, this can save 1% to 2% on capital expenditure costs, which can add 0.5% of profit. These steps are not only ones that EPC firms can choose to increase profit. Several others exist. Performance improvement practices, such as lean set of practices to reduce organizational waste, are widely used. Now, as previously discussed, the steps are one, improved division of labor, two, mapping processes onto demand project, and three, early warning and correction. Although the missions of these steps are identical, in other words, add profit, the specifics for each vary since each has a focus on a set of projects. Either downstream oil, gas, chemicals, and power, or only life science, chemical specialties, and manufacturing in one region. Possibilities to change the division of labor plus mappings onto each project demand are only geared toward that specific market segment. Each decentralized office will, in the coming years, take steps to lower engineering costs. In addition, a project demand may be innovation or flexibility. So improving division of labor. In many sectors of industry outside of the hydrocarbon processing industry, IT has enabled the ability to revisit the division of labor. In the electronics industries, a very tight integration between 3D modeling and production was implemented decades ago. This allowed for folding several functional engineers into one new design function, thus enhancing productivity. That reduces efforts to coordinate between disciplines. In EPC plant design, the division of labor is still high. The reason is that resources can be easily swapped from project to project. IT tools ease the integration of disciplinary functions. This allows a search for areas where the productivity increases substantially by using one 3D model. It also provides rules to simplify decision-making so that its task can be further automated and to recreate one new function out of three. For example, in LNG liquefaction, there are several functional sections in the plant in which piping and structural works can be based on design parameters across functional borders, where rules can automate several design decisions. In those areas, a new task structure can be created that covers an integrated area of piping, structural, and civil works and controls. Another area is smaller projects where the services are limited and the decisions are clear, such as the replacement of pump units with some piping and limited structural and civil works. Here, a new integrated task structure can be created, combining tasks so that one person can execute them. Savings in scheduling, decision-making, and coordination more than compensate for IT costs, as the productivity output in that area will increase twofold. Mapping process onto demand. What is informally accepted, but not addressed in a more structural way, is that the demand on a project influences the way the engineering process should be specifically handled and the way that tasks should be timed. It is understood that lead time demands will require a few more senior engineers. 
In other words, more resources. This is especially important during the first months of the project to create a solid design basis as soon as possible so the next project can enable work in parallel during detailed engineering. It is well understood that if the client wants a better solution for a function in the plant, one must allow for more resources for innovation, and those engineers can iterate more over an extended period to explore alternatives. Two variables can be adjusted in volume and time. If one is to create improvements that cross different disciplines, such as controls and mechanical works, then alignment between these two disciplines must be set as well. This can be accomplished by assigning the engineers in the same time frame. This is a third variable. Approximately seven more variables can be systematically mapped onto the demand. By addressing these variables at each project, one will create a smoother functioning of the process and reduce the probability of project failures by more than 50%. Project failures cut 2% of sales. This mapping will reduce that by more than 50%. So let's discuss early warning and early correction. Another potential area to improve project performance is to have an early warning system in place, such that corrections can be instantly made. Several EPC firms have introduced a strict risk assessment system before bids can take place, which reduces the risk of losses on projects. Others more closely monitor project costs. Unfortunately, during the first weeks and months of a project, costs are not the best tell-alls for later problems. For that matter, there are other engineering process indicators that will give solid early warning signs while pointing at steps to handle those situations. For example, within the mapping process onto demand, the early assessment of senior personnel is essential to hammer out all basics before detailed engineering commences. If those senior staff members do not fully participate in the project, this constitutes an early warning. The correction is to prescribe early reviews for topics related to the progress of senior personnel. Another example is an innovative project. One measure is to gauge if a healthy iteration takes place in the disciplines that are working on aspects that need innovation. Usually, the discipline's process, mechanical controls are key players. Thus, one measures the iteration in those areas. If the expected level is not at par, then the correction is to prescribe reviews. One can also order alternative designs and possibly assign junior engineers to enable more iteration to catch up. The third example for mapping process onto demand is the demand for quality. It was mentioned that this could require more alignment between controls and mechanical. If monitoring indicates a lack of alignment, then the correction would be to add more supervision and to reschedule so the engineers would work in the same time frame. The quality results can then be supervised. The more personnel that monitor early assessments and warning signs, the less possibility of failures occurring and additional hours being spent to complete the task. The estimated savings on overall sales are expected to be between 0.7% and 1.3% of sales. So monetizing new products. The EPC firm prepares data that have a value outside the EP firm's delivery of documents. The 3D model's main products to be delivered to fabricators are the piping isometrics and drawings for steel. If fabrication is computer numerical control, the fabricator assigns the job to computer numerical control or CNC machines and prepares the NC program at a cost of up to 15%. With adjustments, the 3D model can produce CNC code for a machine instead of issuing isometrics, which can save up to 2% on LNG projects. On a $1 billion project, that represents $10 million to $20 million. 
To monetize this, one must agree upon the delivery of NC code. Other areas of oil, gas, chemicals, and power projects exist where contractors benefit from receiving outputs that are easily retrieved from the 3D model. On-site taint fabrication and sequencing, positioning of parts for assembly, and many civil tasks can use laser-guided positioning, which can be derived from the 3D model. Tasks such as checking quality and progress can benefit as well. In life sciences, chemicals, specialties, and manufacturing projects, the structural parts to be CNC machined for a building are probably fewer in number. However, there are clusters that benefit from it. Within life sciences projects, the 3D interior model can provide input to CNC production of lab furniture, paneling, and ducting. The CNC production reduces the lead time, which supports flexibility. These services are to be monetized and translated into 0.5% profit. So a path to increase profit. The market characteristics that define the focus for the EPC firm and the demands for each of the projects have been reviewed. For EPC firms, it is mostly the cost of engineering, although other areas can be innovation or flexibility. These market aspects drive adjustments for the hypothetical EPC 2020 case. A suggestion is a reduced corporate level where the core tasks are capital and strategy. Coming from the integrated corporate model, this dissolves an elaborate management structure that does not fit current market conditions. It reduces corporate costs to 1.25% of sales. Equal offices of 1,000 employees provide a size for adequate staffing and a focus on a product market segment. Three steps to improve project performance and reduce failures are improving the division of labor, mapping process onto the demand of each project, and incorporating early warning and early correction systems. Improving the division of labor leads to several savings, 1-2% to 2 of overall sales. Improving the mapping of several variables onto the project's scope guarantees the functional performance and keeps projects in line without using contingencies. It can add 1% or more to profit. Oil, gas, chemicals, and power, and life science, chemical specialties, and manufacturing projects have a failure rate that now reduces the company profit by 2%. A root cause for failure is an optimistic lump sum bid, another by acknowledged uh, issues when it is too late to correct. Finally, new products resulting from 3D and other applications increase income and profit by 0.5%. The reduction of corporate costs, or 1%, Adjustments in division of labor, 1% to 2%, the mapping onto the project demand, 1%, reduction of failures, 1%, and sales of new high-margin products, 0.5%, result in pushing up profits on sales from 2% to an aspired 6%. We want to thank you again for listening to the latest installment of Hydrocarbon Processing's podcast series, The Main Column.